that one dude, that one dude, that one dude, that one dude for week 15. Ladies, gentlemen, fellas, 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 how the hell are you? We're going to be getting into the that one dude video for this week. And just to put a disclaimer out there, not even a disclaimer, it should be known if you've been watching this video, but I know not everybody watching this is going to be a returning viewer. And that's fantastic. That means we're still reaching new people. That means the content on YouTube is still saying, hey, yo, watch Sal's video because we're going to think you're going to like it based on all we know about you, based on what everybody else is raving about the that one dude video, especially this week for week 15. All right, Sal. So what is it? She got me in here. What is this going to be? Well, it's going to be trying to find a leverage play at each position. Somebody that I really want to hone down on if you're playing single entry three max, even in your 150. He's just somebody to maybe get some leverage onto. And of course, this can change. Now, last week, it was Jonathan Taylor, and that got smashed right out of the park at the running back position, right? This is not going to be the video where you take each of these players and put them into your lineup. No, no, no. That, that's not how this works. That means you're probably going to lose because each of these players is a leverage play. It means they have a lesser than likely chance, but they are lower owned. So when they do hit, they are going to help you out a ton. But if you're going to be putting four to five lower owned guys who have a lesser than likely chance into your lineup, well, then odds of all of them hitting, not that great. You're really hoping that one of these guys can go for you. And the last couple of weeks and really this entire season we've had multiple of guys our pump plays have been fantastic last week was lovely when it comes to jonathan taylor absolutely smashing it dynamiting out of the park at less than five percent owned the rest of the fantasy industry's heads are spinning around in circles like what is going on here with mr jonathan taylor and we're sitting there like have you not been watching have you not been seeing what he's doing with evaded tackles had five evaded tackles the most he's had two weeks ago and then last week he comes out and leads the nfl with nine evaded tackles yeah when you start to break tackles like you did in college and you were so goddamn explosive and so goddamn fast that's what's going to happen you're going to start to break off long touchdown runs and I don't want to be shocked if it happens again this week. Although he's not our that one dude this week because he's actually going to be popular. You're way too late industry. You guys got smacked around. You're probably going to fall flat on your faces this week with Mr. Jonathan Taylor. That's the whole point to be a week early while the entire industry is just going to be retrospective looking back on what happened in the previous week and basing all their analysis on that. We're going to obviously not turn a blind eye to that. We understand that projections are going to use historical data. We understand that ownership is going to be using the, the recency bias of what happened in last week and the previous couple of weeks. But we're also going to be trying to project the future, trying to project future performance based on what we are seeing based on the significant stacks like for running backs broken tackles yards created in these games that they were not seeing earlier on because of injury and now it's coming we're trying to do that every single position and we're trying to identify the guys that okay all right some guys you know the industry's on the derrick henry's of course the industry's on derrick henry of course it's, it's fucking derrick henry it's the hember right of course they're on him right now and especially now with the recency bias added on to that you know the industry's of course the industry's on cam Akers going off for 50 touches in his last couple of weeks thursday night football a primetime game a lot of people get to see him go off of course that's what's happening but there's not everybody on all the top plays no, no no that's not how it works the fantasy industry is not a solved game at least not in the gpp landscape not at all not by any means ownership is going to allow us to find some of these lower owned dandies if i will and that is what the that one do video is that is why you're here you're here for better industry knowledge you're here for better industry reasoning and just content that's not out there right now i'm trying to continue to do that for all of you so ladies gentlemen fellas fellas, fellas as i say again if you're not already subscribed join the community hit the subscribe button. I appreciate you a ton for doing that. As we try and push through, we're less than 500 away, 35,000 subscribers, which is our goal by the end of the 2020 year. So help a brother out and tap that subscribe button. We'll be going live a couple times, so be sure to hit that. And today's sponsor, before we get into our first position, the quarterback position, that one dude position for a quarterback is going to be super draft. And super draft is a multiplier format. And what is a multiplier format, Sal? What does that mean? Well, multiplier format, for example, this week, Patrick Mahomes has a 1x multiplier. If Patrick Mahomes goes out there and say scores 22 fantasy points, 
Multiply that by one, he gets 22 fantasy points. But, 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 and this is a big old booty. You got a guy like Tua on the slate with a 1.6x multiplier. If Tua goes out there and basically scores 18 fantasy points, four less than Patrick Mahomes on normal slates like DraftKings or season long leagues, but because of that multiplier of 1.6, he's actually going to be awarded about 28 and a half fantasy points, which means he just blows Patrick Mahomes out of the water by about six, six and a half points. So you can basically play anybody at this point. The multiplier is going to make it very appealing for certain players. We have projections down below that you can follow along with, but this is a very fun format where people are winning non-stop because the contests don't fill so you get to play for the same amount of money with less people so your chances automatically of winning are way better than any other site and then also also professionals are nowhere near as much in there maxing out the tournaments things like that so you're going to literally get to play against less competition and lesser competition when it comes to their skill set so be sure to check it out people are winning four and five figures in the discord so far over the past couple of months and even days and weeks alone check it out using my name sal it will give you a free money bonus up to a thousand dollars in a slow drip format again that is sal sal to get that bonus and start winning. What are you waiting for? Go to the spot that's got the best return on investment right now. Let's start off with the quarterback position. And okay, drum roll please in your own heads because I don't want to be banging on wood right now. I'm celebrating Christmas today with my girlfriend as we're going to be separating for the holidays. So I don't want to be waking anybody up too early, even though my loud mouth probably does that every single motherfucking day. So back to the quarterback position. I hope I get some good things today. We're going to be going to a spot where look, there's there's quarterbacks that are going to have ownership. I have ownership. I have projections. You can follow along down below on my Patreon linked right now down below. Rankings, projections, ownership, value, all that type of stuff is there. And that's just the beginning of what Patreon will have for you. So patreon.com backslash Sal underscore veteran underscore Jalen Hurts. He'll pick up some ownership. Lamar Jackson, definitely going to be picking up ownership, right? Guys like Patrick Mahomes, you can be damn sure he's picking up ownership. Tom Brady is even picking some up, right? Tyler Murray getting some as well. He's not going to be nearly as highly owned as he should, but he's getting some as well. So who's a guy that's maybe, let's just say our threshold is usually those single digits, but really 5% or less because ownership of the quarterback position, as I always say, and I'll quickly get through this a little bit, not range, but a little bit of a description. Ownership of the quarterback position, it matters, but it really doesn't compared to other positions because if you're playing GPPs properly, you'll be stacking and you'll be game stacking more times than not. So if that's going to be, for example, for Patrick Mahomes, you're playing Patrick Mahomes with a Tyreek Hill, with a Sammy Watkins, you're running it back on the opposite side. If you could afford Alvin Kamara or maybe Alvin Kamara and an Emmanuel Sanders or Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith, you're increasing your correlation. Now there's, you don't have to do it every single time they run back. If there's not a good run back on the opposite side, if the opposite team just sucks as a really bad team total, whatever it might be like the Jets normally for a lot of run backs. That's why you normally don't get to the Jets on run backs unless it is Patrick Mahomes going up against them, but that's going to be the situation, right? You have to just not have to worry about ownership as much because the odds of, even if your quarterback's 8% on the odds of somebody stacking it up with those five players and then the rest of your lineup coming in are very, very slim because most people, the far majority of people, like the far, far, far majority, 90 plus percent of people are not full on game stacking in GPPs unless you're at the higher stakes. So I honestly don't give a shit about ownership that much. Like I'm going to be playing Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to be playing a shit ton of Patrick Mahomes. I'll be playing a shit ton of whoever else is likely going to be decently to highly owned this week if I can stack them up and correlate them. But the guy that we're going to be getting to this week is actually somebody that I want to play, especially based on the news of his wide receiver injuries that seem like they're going to be trending in his favor to have even better stacking options, more upside, more, I would say higher floor as well with these guys. And that man's name, getting back some wide receivers, namely Brandon Cooks this week is going to be Mr. Deshaun Watson. Now, Deshaun Watson, as you can see the stats popping up on the screen, if you're watching on the video version, I encourage you, if you're listening on the podcast, to hit that subscribe, hit that, uh, you know, rate the review, all that type of stuff. But also check out the video version at some point. Lots of stats come up on the screen. Some of my projections for these players as well, especially during that one dude video. We like to show you as much as possible to help you out for this slate. So Deshaun Watson, he's going to have like a neutral pass blocking advantage. Minus 4%. His offensive line has been pretty 
pretty good this year. It's trending in the positive direction as the year goes on, 12th overall. Now, India, pretty good defense, especially in the secondary, as Xavier Rhodes had a little bit of bump in the road towards the middle of the season, and now he's back to kind of that beginning of the season form. So, Indy ranks 16th right now in pass rush, 21st in pressure rate, and 5th overall in coverage, allowing just 228 about yards per game, which is top half of the league in terms of what they allow to their opponents. Now, Deshaun Watson is somebody who's just been an absolute baller, a motherfucking man so far this year, averaging 33 attempts per game. He leads the NFL with 8.7 yards per attempt, and honestly, there's a lot of stuff he's great at. Clean pocket passing, he's first in the NFL. True completion percentage, he's third. If this team was winning games, like if Deshaun Watson's team, obviously this is going to be a big if, right? But if they had a little bit of a better defense, if they had the defense of some of the guys, even like the Chiefs and the Packers, like middle of the pack defenses where some of the MVP candidates are coming from, and this team was just winning some games, right? They ended up having like a nine or 10 win season at this point. Deshaun Watson would be in the MVP candidacy, just based on the numbers that he's putting up. With honestly, Will Fuller was there, but not the greatest of supporting casts, especially right now that he'll have to close out the year with the second half of the year with Brandon Cooks and Kiki Kute as his top two options. You get some rushing upside as well. He's sixth overall in quarterback rushing yards very quietly, and he's fourth in true passer rating. The guy likes to throw deep as well, deep passing yards so far this year. Completion percentage, seventh in the NFL and second in total passing yards. Again, this would be, honestly, in my opinion, if he was winning games, he'd be above Russell Wilson in the MVP talks right now. For me, definitely above Kyler Murray. He'd be right there behind Mahomes and Rodgers. So he just faced this indie team a couple weeks back. And honestly, yet again, Brandon Cooks gets hurt in that game. And yet again, he looks fantastic. I mean, this is a game where he goes for 23.4 fantasy points. It had the weird ending, if you remember. They fumbled literally on the goal line. They were about to go in and just win that game. He was probably going to have another touchdown because the timer is expiring. So you weren't going to run the ball. You're going to pass it. So that's a game where you can put up 30 fantasy points. But in that game, he didn't have Brandon Cooks for like, I don't know, 25 to 35% of the game, maybe even a little bit more than that. Brandon Cooks left the game for a concussion protocol. In that game, he was playing with Chad Hansen as his number one receiver and Kiki Kute, the number one A, one B. They both went over 100 yards in that game. His first time playing with Chad Hansen, like ever in a real game. First game not playing with Will Fuller. And he does all of this. He does this against a good cold secondary, puts up 341 passing yards, no passing touchdowns. He ended up getting a rushing touchdown. I think that's going to regress a little bit more backwards. So because so far this season, that is the only game he has not thrown a passing touchdown in. So yes, I like Deshaun Watson a very good amount in this game. I like Deshaun Watson almost every single week. The combination of what he does on the ground, getting you 30 to 50 yards rushing with the upside of getting a couple of rushing touchdowns a year. Right now he has three rushing touchdowns on the year and two in the past four weeks. It pans out very nice for him. Now you can see the projection I'm putting up on the screen for Mr. Deshaun Watson at this point. I have Deshaun Watson projected for 22 fantasy points. Deshaun Watson is currently my fourth highest projected quarterback in terms of total projection. If I just project that by value, Deshaun Watson is my sixth overall value play. And obviously some cheaper guys are going to pop up here for the values. Guys like Matt Ryan, guys like Mitchell Trubisky in the five k range, even Jalen Hurts. So if you're just going to be cheaper, it's easier for you to pop his values. Now Jalen Hurts does look like a good value, just tougher to stack up more so as a cash game option, maybe, or you run him naked. But Deshaun Watson looks like a good quarterback play this week. So that's why I'm sitting here, you know, scratching my head literally now, like what's going on? I ain't got no lice. I'm just concerned about what's going on right now with why is there only 5% ownership on Deshaun Watson? I'm hoping it doesn't spike up to 8%. But again, based on the way that we can stack this up, I'm not as concerned. Brandon Cooks and Kiki Kute would be my top stack options. After that, Chad Hansen and Jordan Aikens. Yes, Jordan Aikens, the man who let the ball hit him right in the chest. And then three seconds after that, like a walrus slapped his hands as it shut all the way down to the ground, the ball. Jordan Aikens, the man who has been ruining lives for the last two weeks in these Houston stacks and their positive game scripts and their positive game environments. Yes, not the, probably the play, way that you want to go. I get why there's reasons to run away from Watson in this one. It is still a tough matchup. He still does not have that big play upside. Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, yes, if he returns, is still coming off of an injury and it's not the most stable player in terms of re-injuries occurring. The team total of just 22 and a half is not the most appealing, but playing from behind is where you want to target Deshaun Watson. Earlier this year in the Discord, if you're part of our Discord, get into Patreon, you can join the Discord. Basically, if you're in there, you knew that every single time Deshaun Watson, like the first couple weeks, first month or two of the season, every time that we had him in stacks as a main piece, and that was, I don't know, a quarter of the week so far this year as one of our top two on quarter 
quarterbacks, we would hope that he would get behind. And just like clockwork, every week they would get behind 14-0 early on, whether it was the Patriots earlier in the year or whether it was some of their other games, I believe an earlier game this season they had against the Green Bay Packers, they got behind early on. And then he goes out there and he puts up against Tennessee, they get behind 32 fantasy points. He puts up 27 fantasy points against the Packers. It's just the best situation for him. He's one of the historical greats at playing from behind for fantasy football purposes at the quarterback position. So Mr. Deshaun Watson is going to be our that one dude at the quarterback position. Those 22 fantasy points on the screen, you can see rated as a B in cash and a B in GPPs for me. And I have him right below five projected ownership at 4.83. You can see that for every single player that means anything on this slate down below on Patreon. Let's now get into the running back position. So as we get to the running back position at that one, dude, it's important to kind of just kind of lay out the landscape of running back this week. Running back is a top heavy position. Usually like the best players are usually identified at the running back position, whether they're the cheap values or there are some other guys popping up. And this week is no different. Leonard Fournette pops up out of nowhere because Ronald Jones is having a injury, but then they say, yeah, he's going to play. But then he gets on the COVID list. So there's no way he's playing out. So Leonard Fournette pops up and he looks like a fantastic value and he's going to gain 20 plus percent ownership. And then they say Drew Brees is in. Oh man, Alvin Kamara's looking a little bit better now, a little bit more trustworthy for those 10 target games, those 30% target shares that he was seeing earlier in the year. And then bam, Michael Thomas gets ruled out. And now it's like Alvin Kamara is underpriced by at least $1,000. Alvin Kamara, you can probably project now for that 30% target share, for 16 plus touches, for eight to 10 targets. And that's fantastic for a guy who averages fantasy points per touch as one of the highest on the slate. So these guys are going to be highly owned. Everybody knows Derrick Henry. Everybody knows Davin Cook are still going to be decent options for you. People continue to want to play David Montgomery because because he continues to just be one of the best usage running backs in the league since week three this year when his teammate, Tariq Cohen, got hurt. You have Cam Akers, who just went off and had a decent price point of 6,600. The man has seen 50 opportunities and touches, really, the last two times he's touched the ball, last time out almost having 200 total yards on Thursday night football. Now being a 17-point favorite. So these are all the guys that people want to own. Jonathan Taylor coming off of some great performances. Ding, ding, ding. We were here a week before, 96% of the industry on Jonathan Taylor. That's why you watch these videos. That's why you subscribe to this channel. That's why you join the Patreon, because the industry is just just looking at what everybody else is doing and looking back at what happened last week. That's what they're basing their analysis on. You know what that is called? L-A-Z-Y. That is called lazy. And I get it because, you know, you got to be producing content every day. So it's easier to kind of just look over your shoulder and say, yeah, I'm just going to do what everybody else is doing. You know, it's lazy. But what are you going to do? I can see it like a sore thumb, right? I can see it like a sore thumb as a content creator. I feel bad for the people that can't, but hopefully, hopefully you can be a little bit more aware of that now. So you got all these rookies that people want to play. Jonathan Taylor, can't blame you. Cam Akers, can't blame you. Maybe some Clyde Edwards Lair after he popped off a little bit last week. James Robinson, as people don't remember because he's an undrafted rookie. He's still a rookie. People want to play him every single week. Again, I can't blame you on that. But the one rookie that nobody's talking about, even people are talking about J.K. Dobbins, right? After he had a couple touchdowns last week, although he's still in, in my opinion, a split backfield with Gus Edwards getting a lot of the goal line and red zone work. But I can't totally blame you there. But the rookie that nobody, nobody wants to talk about. This is one who just a month ago before he ended up getting hurt with a concussion was known to be the best rookie in the NFL. And now since then, Antonio Gibson took that throne for like a week on Thanksgiving. Then he gets hurt. And now it seems to be Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers battling for the best rookie running back. But no, 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 people, people quietly. And I, and I get it. Cam Akers and Jonathan Taylor look fantastic. But people are quietly forgetting about it for a guy who has put up 13 or more fantasy points right now in six out of his last seven games as a rookie. The only game that he did not was week eight against Indy. Can you guess this running back yet? I mean, I've narrowed it down pretty closely. That man's name is DeAndre Swift. Look, I get it. DeAndre Swift, you feel a little bit down about because he's battling some injuries. He comes back last week, though. He plays 56% of the snaps. That was not his workhorse role like week 10, but that should be encouraging for you because they were limiting him. This man is coming off of a concussion, and then they called it an illness, which might be just post-concussion syndrome. I don't want to speculate too much, but having it, I think that's what it was. And he sees 12 opportunities, four opportunities in the red zone, cashes in for a touchdown, and then he ends up scoring 15 points. Had another touchdown as well, but it got called back from the one-yard line. This is now a man who has ran 20-plus routes in three out of his last four games in back-to-back games. 
DeAndre Swift's usage on this team is only going to increase. Again, he played 56% of the snaps. That is going to go up. I can almost guarantee that is going to go up as long as there's no re-injury. And now you're looking at a positive 18% run blocking advantage against this Tennessee team that is not good against the run. 18th in run defense. They're right around middle of the pack, allowing 114 yards per game behind a top 10 run blocking unit for DeAndre Swift in his Detroit offensive line, right? This is a good spot for him. 44 targets on the year for a guy who's been basically in the split backfield for most of the year until like a week or two before his injury and he gets hurt. So that sucks for him. Ends up scoring 15 fantasy points last week on 12 opportunities and 11 touches. Ends up going for 24 yards on the ground and a touchdown and 26 yards in the air. I think those yards in the air are only going to continue to come up. He continues to be one of the best pass catching running backs. Very similar to another rookie in Jonathan Taylor. He's been very good in the air. He's averaging 5.9 yards per touch this year. He's averaging right now the fifth most yards per route run out of running backs at 1.877 and the sixth most yards per reception. So he's basically borderline top five in all these efficiency metrics in the receiving game, similar to Jonathan Taylor. And he's second in breakaway run rate. The more volume that this guy gets, sure, maybe some of that efficiency drops off, but he's still going to remain top 10 efficiency. So if he gets that volume this week, if I think the snaps go up from 56 to 70, and he's in a little bit of a better game script where his team's not down two to three scores the entire game. And instead of getting 12 opportunities, he starts to get the 18 that he saw in his two previous fully healthy games, 18 plus. He went for 18 touches in week nine or opportunities in week nine. And then he went for 21 opportunities in week 10. If he gets those 18 plus with this type of efficiency opportunities and seeing five targets pretty much consistently this year over the last, I don't know, he's basically seen five targets in like half of his games played, at least four or more targets in almost every single game, except I believe one this season. Then yes, you're going to see big things happening for Mr. DeAndre Swift, who I currently have projected out for, as I put it up on the screen right now, I have DeAndre Swift projected for 14.8 fantasy points. It makes him basically not a top tier value. That's going to be reserved for guys like Alvin Kamara. Tomorrow. Fournette, maybe even Cam Akers, but then that next tier down. But the nice thing is nobody else is going to be this low owned. I mean, you have Raheem Mostar dealing with injuries in a split backfield. He'll be low as owned, but I don't think he has as much of a floor or an upside in my projections. But you have guys around him going to be picking up all that ownership, whether it's J.K. Dobbins for a little bit less, Jonathan Taylor for a little bit more. Hell, even Ezekiel Elliott will be at similar or a little bit higher ownership than him. Clyde Edwards Lair as well. So I don't get it. Nobody wants to talk about DeAndre Swift, even though he came back, played more than 50% of the snaps in a week where people said he wasn't even going to play, and he scores 15 fantasy points. And he is efficient yet again in the air in a game where his team is trailing. So I like DeAndre Swift this week. DeAndre Swift, as you can see on my screen right now, the projected fantasy points only projected right now for about 5% ownership, have him as a B in GPPs. Next up, we get over to the wide receiver position. And I don't just do this. I don't try and do this each week, like stack a quarterback who's my that one dude with one of the wide receivers. It just so happened to happen this week. Again, I was not trying to do this, but this guy's value is just popping off of the page right now for me. So the wide receiver that I like this week is going to be paired up with Deshaun Watson. Is it going to be Brandon Cooks? No, I think he's actually going to be highly owned. It's going to be Chad Hansen. No, I think that he kind of had that one big week because Brandon Cooks got hurt. The scouting report wasn't out on him. Last week, you saw him kind of get the volume still, but nowhere near as much downfield usage. So I'm not going to go there yet with Chad Hansen. I think it could still be something, but I'm just not going to be going there. 22% target share this year for Chad Hansen, 14 fantasy points per game in his two games. Pretty damn good after seeing seven targets last week, but I'm just going to hold off for right now. The man that I'm going to be getting to is Mr. Kiki Kute. And Kiki Kute, the slot wide receiver who also played two weeks ago, the out wide wide receiver, the Will Fuller role against this team, against this Colts team, he ended up having a huge game. Now, yes, a lot of that's on that 60 plus yard reception that he had, but then he also ended up piling it on for more for getting another 80 yards within that game, picking up a ton of receptions on a ton of targets and a lot of opportunity in week 13 against the Colts, playing 82.5% of the snaps, the most he's seen this year, running 41 routes as they played from behind, the most he's seen this year. He caught eight passes for 141 yards on nine targets. He had a red zone target and he scores 22.1 fantasy points and 25.1 DraftKings points. He was the wide receiver eight that week, but he plays a lot of the snaps, 75%. He runs a lot of the routes, 
34. He's still out there a ton, catches all three of his targets for 24 yards. He goes from having 114 air yards to 11 air yards. So that is not very good. Those are complete opposites. But let's just say he's somewhere in between. Let's just say he sees seven targets. Let's just say he catches because his catch rate's very high based on where he's catching passes, right? He's catching two out of his three passes, eight out of his nine, three out of his three, the last three weeks. Let's say he catches six of his seven passes. Let's say he has 60 yards. At the very least, if he's going to score you 12 fantasy points, might not win you a GPP. That's a pretty stable, I would say, almost floor at this point. Gihute is somebody that I like a lot, and I like where I currently have him projected out as one of my number two overall value plays on the slate right now. We'll talk about my number one overall value play at the wide receiver position when we get into the punt options. But as you can see on the screen, Kiki Kute likely matchup against Kenny Moore. It is a negative 23% matchup. Again, that is just one variable of like the 11 that go into my projections and some of those projections, uh, variables like time that could split down into even more variables. So just one little influence that's going to definitely be a negative one. So letting you know that, but just know that there's a lot of other variables that go into play. He's seen a 13.3% target share this year. He's seen a 30%, very quietly, a 30% red zone target share since he's basically taken over this year. And now a lot of that comes down to him seeing three red zone targets against New England in week 11. But this man now in basically four games of playing 50% or more of the snaps has seen in four games, six red zone targets. He's seen a target in the red zone in at least every game. That is good to see. That gives you some sort of upside. Like I said last week, not the greatest of performances, nine and a half fantasy points. But again, nine and a half fantasy points. I think he ended up catching in that game a touchdown. He had three catches on three targets, 24 yards and a touchdown. Nine and a half fantasy points is not great, but if that's your bad week performances because of the usage you have on this team, not the worst either. You can see I'm putting on the screen right now. Kiki Kute is my number two overall value play. It looks like a very good super draft play as well. Presenting sponsor. My name's Sal. Get you your free dollar ruskies over there signing up the solo drip format. But I have been projected for 15 fantasy points. And this is with Brandon Cooks in. So this is not me projecting Brandon Cooks out. 15 fantasy points gives him a 2.83 value. My second highest for any wide receiver this week tied for my second highest. Actually, I have him as a B plus in GPPs because he is low on. I have him right now for about five and a half ownership percentage right now, as you can see in the screen, and then a B in cash. I like my man Kiki Kute. He is my that one due to the wide receiver position. Let's now get to the tight ends and then some of our punt plays to close out the week. And as we get into the tight ends and the punt plays, I appreciate you all a ton. We've made it now. We're into week 15. As you're watching this, potentially the Saturday games are going on. As you're watching this, the Sunday slate's about to start up. We're going to be doing a live stream on Sunday. So be sure to hit that like button. The big old subscribe button. I just want to get to that 35,000 subscribers. It would be honestly fantastic. It would be a lovely Christmas gift from all of you if we can actually get there. So thank you so much in advance. I appreciate you a ton. And check out my Patreon if you want to support me down there. Support, follow along with all the game by game notes, 22 pages over 7,700 words this week on game by game notes, the matchups, the analysis that you need for every single player who will be viable this week, whether you're using it for sports betting, whether you're using it for DFS, your season long, if you're still in the playoffs, best of luck to you. You have the rankings, projections, all this stuff that you can have at the industry's lowest prices for the best content you're going to find because I'm just a one man band. I don't got to charge these crazy $200 prices and other shit like that. That's nowhere near worth it. No, no, no. We want to do it here for free so we can smack you around. Who does not want the free information to get smacked around? So check it out down below. Get smacked around by the Patreon information. All right, let's get to the tight end and then these punts. The tight end position is going to be, my that one dude I had, you know, some hesitation on, but then we got some final news that the man in front of him in the pecking order at his position is officially going to be out this week. That will be the tight end over in San Francisco, and his name is Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed is somebody that I'm going to have interest in this week because, again, this is a that one dude show. Who's going to be low-owned? Of course, there's guys up top that you can get to. Mark Andrews looks nice. He's not probably going to look as nice as it looks like some of the Baltimore receivers will come back now. You have Travis Kelsey. If you find a dollar ruskies to pay up for him, he looks nice. A lot of other tight ends on this slate just kind of look like the same option as well. But you have a very cheap Jordan Reed this week who grades out as my fourth overall value at the tight end position for 8.2 fantasy points. And you can see right now I'm putting the stats and also the, the projections up on the screen. I have Jordan Reed as a B in cash and a B in GPPs, projecting out for just about 2% ownership. I do think that will rise now that George Kittle has officially been ruled out for this week, but I don't think it's going to get above 5%. He's so damn cheap at just $3,200. And now he has a matchup where it's a pretty damn good one. He's seen a 14% target share this year, seeing three total touchdowns on very limited usage, which is good to see. Jordan Reed now has four more targets in four straight 
games. In six out of his last seven games, he's at least getting you four targets. For this price point, you really can't ask for much more than that. A 29% target rate is top 30 in the NFL, and he is number one on the San Francisco 49ers in the number of targets per route that he runs. Again, an efficiency metric that means when he's actually out there, they are using this man a ton. He's averaging right now eight fantasy points per game, and he's seen a 17 and a half air yard share, which is top 10 in the NFL for the tight end position. You're getting fantastic usage out of him very quietly. This is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the that one dude, breaking down into the specific stats, the efficiency metrics. In week 13, he ran the most routes that he has ran this year with 24. He ends up scoring 12.2 fantasy points, gets the touchdown at the end of that game against Buffalo. Again, that was the most routes that he ran that year at 24. He saw four targets. In week 14, holy shit, he ran even more routes. He ran 29 routes in week 14, 29. So in week 13, he runs his most routes with 24. Then he runs five more than that in week 14, 29 routes, a full full-time role for Jordan Reed. But nobody wants to play him this week because it's all about the recency bias in this industry. It's all about what have you done for me lately? He has five targets. That's pretty damn good, but he only catches two for 13, but he ran 29 routes. The target rate is going to be up there. This is a guy that is getting used more and more as the weeks go on. Now he's in a situation where he's going to have one, honestly, a fine matchup for where he's going to be lining up on the field. And number two, even more usage and even more upside, especially with no George Kittle out there, a good red zone role for him. And he's dirt cheap. Give me some Jordan Reed at the that one dude for the tight end position this week. It is punt time, and I'm going to give you two punt options, both at the wide receiver position, just because if one of these guys doesn't pan out the same way because it's going to depend on some injuries, I want to make sure you have a secondary option. And the first guy that I do want to give you is a rookie this year who has been all over the place. In college, he played as a Wildcat quarterback because they needed him there, but he was also a running back. Then he gets drafted as a running back by the Oakland Raiders, and then they, I think, trade him or get rid of him pretty quickly, and he goes over to Miami, and that man's name is now a wide receiver on Miami. That man's name is going to be Mr. Lynn Bowden. Mike Gusecki is questionable, leaning doubtful. Devontae Parker has been practicing limited, but he is questionable. Jakeem Grant seems like he's going to play, but again, also questionable this week. Parker with the hamstring. You have Gusecki with the shoulder injury that looks like it went dislocated. You have Jakeem Grant as well going to be questionable, I believe, with a lower body injury, a hamstring as well. So Lynn Bowden right now comes in last week after playing 77% of the snaps. You can see on the screen right now my breakdown of him, basically. Likely matchup against Jonathan Jones is not great, but after playing 77% of the snaps, he sees nine targets from Tua. Nine targets in a game where Mike Gusecki was in the whole first half. Jakeem Grant was in for most of the first half. You had Devontae Parker in for the first quarter. So this is a guy playing 77% of the snaps and nine targets and seeing that much usage and basically just a half as the main priority on his team. Now he scores 15.4 fantasy points. He goes out there, sees 84 air yards. He was looking good both in the slot, both downfield, both in the intermediate, both on the sideline. He was making plays everywhere. And now this week, as I prop it up on the screen with this stat, you can see he's my number one value play, 3.44x value. This is assuming, this is assuming that one of those guys misses, whether it's Mike Gusecki, whether it's Devontae Parker, and ideally two of them miss. I haven't projected for 12.4 fantasy points. I have him as a B in cash and a B plus in GPPs. Now I do think he'll probably come in with some ownership. And this is why I want to give you another option, because if all these guys are out, if it's just going to be Jakeem Grant and Lim Bowden or just Devontae Parker and Lim Bowden, the ownership will probably spike up for a $3,600 player with a 2X multiplier and super draft to maybe like 8%. Maybe if all those guys are out, 10 plus percent. So I'll ease some expectations because I do think he'll pick up a little bit more ownership, but he's still a very strong punt play. He's shown last week that he has a very strong connection with Tua and he's a very good player. So Lim Bowden is my top value at the wide receiver as of right now. Expect some ownership to go up, but if those guys are in, then yeah, he goes behind the pecking order of Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker, and or Mike Gusecki. So I do want to give you another option in case those things don't pan out positively for Mr. Lim Bowden. And why not just give you another option anyways? And I'm going to be giving you an option that is going to be cheaper than Lim Bowden. That's coming in way less owned. 1% 
100% owned. I have Matt right now at $3,300 from the Washington football team, Mr. Cam Sims, who will have a difficult matchup against Shaq Griffin this week, but overall a pretty decent matchup against his secondary. Oh, but Sal, the secondary is getting better for Seattle. No, they're just facing shit teams. They're facing dog shit teams, and they're honestly going to be facing another dog shit offense this week in the Washington football team. But Cam Sims does have some explosive upside and some big downfield usage. Now, if you look at the season, only an 8% share in three targets per game, but that's fine. I mean, you're going to be getting hit or miss games out of him as you've basically been having so far this year. But the routes runner, what I care about, this is what you've seen since week seven, 26, 25, 56, 25, 41, and 34 routes run. This guy's routes run have been absolutely elite. He's by far a full-time usage player on this team. Now in week 13, we remember against Pittsburgh on the main slate, he was making plays everywhere. He had a big night on nine targets, catches five passes for 92 yards, scores a season high 14.2 fantasy points. The second time at that point in four weeks that he went for 14 or more fantasy points. And last week, he gets the Richard Sherman treatment. Yes, they put Richard Sherman on him. They sacrifice him to Richard Sherman's side of the left side of the field so that Terry McLaurin can run a little bit more free and wild. That didn't even happen. But against Richard Sherman, of course, this guy gets shut down. He sees two targets. He catches one for eight yards, but he does see 34 outs, which is very encouraging. This week, he's going to also have what is likely going to be a better matchup against Seattle. Sure, Shaq Griffin is a decent cornerback, was much better last week, but nobody else out there is that great, and I don't think it's going to be a shadow matchup. Cam Sims is a good wide receiver. He's not great, but he's a good wide receiver for this cheap of a price point. If you're looking for a punt play and you don't want to go to Lim Bottom or you think he's going to be too highly owned or doesn't pan out that he's going to get all that much usage, well, then I'm fine getting to the 6'4 wide receiver on the outside who has been much faster in the NFL than he tested at the combine, undrafted out of Alabama, 212 pounds. This guy is an absolute monster specimen wise, and he's been slowly coming on over the last month, a month and a half, getting all the usage. Now the production just has to follow you. You've seen two of those production weeks in the last five weeks. He had a dud last week again, a difficult matchup. I like Tamsons as a low owned 1% owned option. So that's it gang. That's the week 15. That one dude video. Hope you enjoyed it. Be sure, be sure before you go like button subscribe. What are you doing if you're not subscribing yet? Make sure to double check that you subscribe. Make sure to check that your mother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your brother, your nephew, whatever it is, are also subscribed to this channel. I appreciate you all a ton. We'll be going live on Saturday, depending on when you're watching this, at noon for the Saturday two-game Millie Maker slate. We'll be going live on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. East Coast time as well for the main slate. So be sure to hit the notification bell so you can be aware of when I go live. Come ask your questions. Totally free to do so. And also sign up for Patreon if you want to get even more information, even more in-depth information, and all the type of stuff, the tools, the analysis that you need to smack your opponents around and beat them. When they don't have that information, they're getting blindsided. You can see around corners when they can't. Thank you so much for tuning in, gang. I'll see you on some of the live streams this week. Best of luck. This is the That One Dude video for week 15. I'll see you in the next one.